When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let me tell you about something about Anchor. If you ever want to start your own podcast or create your own podcast, Anchor makes it really easy. First of all, it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more popular platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All gas, no break. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. I'm your host, John June. And of course, wouldn't be a show without my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, how are we feeling today, man? Man, I'm feeling pretty good, John. How are you feeling? I mean, as the week ramps up, uh, we get closer. We're in, out of the weekend now. It's as we record this on Sunday, we're entering our, our next week. You know, have to have in high spirits. It is a new week. We We've mourn some things uh long enough and so um definitely are you know feeling good about the season as we get closer you know we're 21 days out from this you know football season and the jet season opener so frank today we're going to cover we've got a loaded show a lot to unpack it's if we got news we've got um help me out frank well we've got we've also got to pre or review the last two preseason games of the New York Jets. We also are our last installment of the positional breakdowns. Actually, I don't 100% know if that's true. Got to check with production on that. But defensive backs, right? That's what we're talking about today. And then last but not least, you sent them in. So we're going to answer them, talking about those mailbag questions. So, Frank, a lot to discuss today. Are you ready for it? Oh, you know I'm always ready for it. As Coach Silas says, all gas, no break. Let's go, brother. Hey, man, let's do it, brother. You know, I there was so much that I almost stumbled over my words trying to figure out exactly what we were talking about. But you know what? I'm going to blame that on what we had previously alluded to, which is the the loss of Star. I, wouldn't even, I don't want to say Star, but – he was the most impactful, uh, the most paid player, basically, signed by the New York Jets. They expected him to be a star in Robert Sala's defense, talking about Carl Lawson, who tore his Achilles earlier in the week at in joint practices with the Green Bay Packers. And it was really sad because he was having a phenomenal camp. Uh, all the words, out, all the, you know, the, the, the mummerings out of training camp were that he's, he was going to have a year uh, was giving Makai Becton a lot of trouble, who obviously had a good year last year. 
Um, and then the, the one of the worst things was before I mean, you talked about this, Frank, I'm following Connor Hughes. I'm looking at his tweets. One of the tweets right before, you know, him saying he was down was that he just, Oh, just gets to Aaron Rodgers for another sack. And it's just like, it just kind of just shows you the kind of year that we were expecting him to have. How are you feeling about this, Frank? And, and what are your expectations for, for what the jets kind of do to, to, uh, to come to overcome the loss of Carl Lawson? Well, first things first, I was absolutely devastated. The first thing I thought was Vinny Testaverde, 1999, that week one game against the Patriots where he ruptured his Achilles. Uh, But after I mourned, I started to think about it. And when I thought about the team as a whole this year, we were probably not making the playoffs. And this is going to give us a chance to see those young pass rushers. You know, I tell you all the time, I'm really high on Bryce Huff, and I think he has the potential to be a star in this league if he does all the right things and takes to the coaching. I just think he has that skill set. And you have JFM also. But what you're really going to get to see is how good these young cornerbacks are because you're not going to get that automatic pass rush without dialing up some pressure. So I think after the season, we're going to be able to tell what direction the Jets need to go in NFL free agency in the rookie draft next year. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, those are all good points. I think from a, you know, Bryce Huff is definitely going to be the main guy I look to to really over help try to – you're not going to replace Carl Lawson, right? I mean, he was a $15 million a year edge rusher who fit perfectly, talking about perfectly from a bot – from a body style perspective, uh, speed, power, uh, all of these things, he was he was phenomenal. So, you know, I just think that he, you know, that's going to be a major loss. But Bryce Huff, like you said, has some of those same characteristics. Maybe doesn't have the power, or the strength that Carl Lawson has, but he has that that speed. He's low to the ground. Uh, he's got that burst and that bend. And so I think Bryce Huff. I think you're going to see three man platoon here. Bryce Huff. Ronnie Blair, Vinny Curry, those three guys, I think, are they're not all going to replace Carl Lawson, but each one of them will do something that Carl Lawson did well, whether it's stopping the run, whether it's rushing the passer, um, you know, whether it's being a leader in, in the in the defensive line room. I think all three of those guys are going to fill some of the some of that role there for Carl Lawson. And from a free agency and draft perspective, I mean I think it makes sense. We would have said that the Jets probably need another edge anyway, but I think that they have to go into next year with the two first-round picks that they have, with all the money that they have in free agency, to try to to add another edge because you see what happens when Carl. This defensive line looks great with Carl Lawson. It does not look as good with without it. So, you know, I, I would really hope to see you know Quinnen Williams. Foley Fadakasi, Sheldon Rankins, these guys hopefully step up because you know that the interior of this defensive line was a strength already for them anyway. So, again, it sucks. It's football. It happens. Which Carl Lawson, nothing but the best on his road to recovery. But the Jets have to keep playing games. Yeah, Salah said in his press conference that the train doesn't stop for anybody. He, you know, you just got to hope that somebody just jumps on. And, you know, uh, you, you, you talked about possibly the Jets getting another 
edge in the draft last year. I think that depends on Huff and how he looks during the season. If he looks like he could be a stud, maybe the Jets go in a different direction. They get another offensive lineman and they get a cornerback that I I think the Jets are probably going to need going forward if they're going to compete. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we're a long ways away, so we'll see how how all that plays out. But um, you know, we they also suffered some other injuries. Zane Lewis, you know, he he tore his knee. Um, for, forget exactly which ligament. I don't want to say the wrong one. So, um, you know, he he's obviously going to end up on the IR. Uh, Cam Clark, who you know, we obviously went through. He went through a scary situation, you know, with a uh, a neck injury at practice a few weeks ago, he's going to possibly, or he ended up on the IR. And when you go into the preseason IR, you can't come back to the active roster. So, you know, he's a guy that obviously is going to be out this year for the New York Jets. So going to see how he can make uh, his recovery. Um, you know, Denzel Mims is nicked up. LaMarcus Joyner is also nicked up. Uh, so the Jets are, the Jets are banged up right now. They're kind of feeling it a little bit. Um, dog days of camp or, are, are almost done, but you know, you got to, you got to make it out of camp healthy. That's a big thing. And and so, you know, are you worried about the depth of this team? I mean, we've seen obviously what happens when Carl Lawson isn't out there, you know, we've seen the secondary, um, you know, without Ashton Davis and LaMarcus Joyner, uh, you, you know, you, I can't even tell you who the starting safety was in the preseason game for, for the jets on two uh, on yesterday on Saturday. So, you know, Denzel Mims is out. We saw Jeff Smith and uh, Vincent Smith playing yesterday, but obviously we'll get into that a little bit. But are you worried about the depth of this team, Frank? I'm not worried with the overall depth. I'm a little bit concerned, and we touched touched on it two weeks ago, the uh, depth of the offensive line. Connor McDermott went down yesterday. Uh, he had to get carted off. Uh, Morgan Moses didn't play for um, personal reasons, so I hope everything's all right with him. But I, I think they're going to have to go out and maybe find another lineman. Yeah, I mean, I'll ask. I've been asking you all week, Frank. I asked you twice this week. I'll ask you a third time here on the show. Are you interested in Philadelphia offensive tackle Andre? I'm not. And for one, and one reason only, is that we just picked up our future Hall of Famer, David Moore. And I think he could do everything. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome there. Uh, David Moore, somebody obviously you were you were really high on. And so, you know, future Hall of Famer, let's do it, man. Uh, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think Andre Dillard um, – you know, would, would be a nice depth piece here for this, this Jets offensive line. He's got experience playing left tackle. There's obviously, he, you know, he was a first-round draft pick of Philadelphia just a few years ago. Joe Douglas was was in that organization when that pick was made. He's a, He was a Joe, a Joe – I think Joe Douglas was one of – was part of the reason why that pick was made as well. So, you know, I think that there's a there's obviously a previous relationship there. There's a need here with the Jets needing depth on the offensive line. We saw George Fan. I mean, it seems like he's, you know, he played the whole game yesterday, right tackle and playing some left, and then also went back to the right. So seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to be 
expected to be this swing tackle, but we already saw Chuma Adoga suffer an injury. We saw Connor McDermott suffer an injury. Both of those guys are, are backups at the tackle spots. And so, you know, Alex Lewis, he's, he's recently retired from the NFL. So they're missing some depth on the interior. So yeah, I, I do think David Moore is going to fill a nice spot there in the interior of the offensive line. Would love to see if he can get some run at center, but I think that they're going to need some, some more depth here, especially at the tackle position. Yeah, yeah, because Becton is like the whole key, right? Can he stay healthy? You know, we don't know. You know, he seems like he's stayed healthy so far in the preseason, but he's not, you know, playing a lot of snaps. So, you know, you saw them play Fant pretty much the whole second half at left tackle yesterday. So, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what Joe Douglas does and how they uh, think their backups are going to work here. Yeah, definitely going to have to see how this plays out, man. Um, but, you know, it's just one of these things that we're just going to have to just hope that the Jets stay healthy. You know, injuries are something that happen. You see teams stay healthy in the NFL. You see teams don't, you know, it's, key, it's almost impossible for them to stay healthy. So, you know, these things sort of happen, and you just have to just hope for the best, man. And so let's move on to the next segment, Frank. And if you can't, if you're not watching on YouTube or if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. But if you're watching on YouTube, then you can clearly see I've got this number 24 here. It's not a Freeman McNeil jersey. It is a Darrell Revis jersey as we do defensive back day. Um, So that one was there for those that are listening on podcast platform, which you also want to make sure you subscribe to as well, or just, you know, just make the transition over to YouTube. But anyway, Frank, defensive backs, are you excited to talk DBs today? Frank, you're on mute. Yeah, that's a beer. But but like I was saying, um, I kind of meh, you know. There's there's only a couple guys that I'm really, really excited about. Um I would have liked to see the Jets brought in a veteran cornerback, but I'm always excited to talk about, you know, our New York football Jets. No, absolutely, for sure, man. And, you know, let's let's just go down the list, right? I mean, we, we presume that the – you know, I say down the list, but I mean like around the defense. We presume that the starting corners are going to be Bryce Hall and Bless Austin. Um, you know, that's – the only fair assumption that we can make. And both of these guys, when when you think about the Seattle corners, and I say Seattle because that's where Sala um, you know, that's where he really got his experience as a as a as a you know as a as a coach in the NFL. It's where he had really cut his teeth. Obviously was spent time at Houston, but before being the D coordinator with the Niners was was with Seattle. And so you if you look at the Seattle corners historically, you know, um, Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner, uh, even recently like Shaquille Griffin or um, Trey Flowers. Yeah, that one. Uh, but if you look at those guys, you know, they, they're all tall, long arms, you know, over 200, you know, close to 200 pounds or over about 200 pounds. And so you got Bryce Hall. He's 6'1", 202, uh, limited game action la- last year. I think he started with the last – six or seven games of the season it was, 
but he came in one interception, three passes, defense, 34 tackles. Uh, bless Austin, who spent most of the time in the lineup, was getting shuttled in and out, though, a little bit. Uh, lost some playing time to to some of the younger guys on the team, like Lamar Jackson. But four, pass def- four, four passes defended, 88 tackles. I know you and I, Frank, we're pretty high on both of these guys, uh, especially Bless Austin, who, you know, despite his his struggles, I think that he's an ag- – I, like, I really like his aggressiveness. I really like – you know, he's not afraid to come up and play the run. Um, and, you know, he's getting every opportunity to start here at corner – for the Jets. So what are your feelings on, on these two guys here, Frank? I like them a lot. Um, and I just think that the defense is going to better suit the cornerbacks that we have now. Like when you look at it, you know, you had Lamar Jackson who, when we played the Raiders last year, Greg Williams put in in a terrible spot on that cover zero call that lost the game. Like, I don't think you're going to see that anymore. And Salah talked a little bit about it yesterday, how, you know, he could scheme things up, but it's basically going to be on these guys to just do their job, win their one-on-ones, win that third down battle. And I think both these guys have the capabilities of being a middle-of-the-road type of cornerbacks. Yeah, and I think that's what you're expecting, right? Like, you you just want to see these guys compete on a down-and-down basis. You want to see them play well in the scheme because this is a scheme that, again, it's not putting much emphasis on on your your corners and being able to win in, in, in man-to-man coverage as much, but you're playing a lot of cover three, which, you know, does turn into man-to-man at, at some point during the route. But, you know, it's better suited for these guys where, you know, they can get their eyes on the quarterback – uh, and they could be able to make some plays on the ball as opposed to last year where they were, you know, put in a lot of tough situations and, and blitzes and whatnot. Um, let's talk about the safety position because, you know, those guys, not really much competition from those guys, but are for those guys. But Marcus May obviously making his return, you know, dealing with the contract negotiations with the New York Jets, but he's returning on a franchise tag. Uh, he was – Obviously, filling in, you know, he's most of his career he's played as the as the free safety, um, but played a lot in the box last year uh, for the Jets, playing that you know that strong safety role. Uh, had a career high eighty eight tackles last year. T- uh, had twenty two passes defense, two interceptions. You know, he was a, a really good, um, you know, really good piece for the for the New York Jets defense, and I think he's going to be a really good piece here for this Robert Sala defense. We already see him utilized almost as like this box safety again. So what are your expectations for Marcus May in 2021? I think he's going to have a similar year that he did last year, right? You know, maybe he could make the Pro Bowl. Maybe he could be a second team all pro if things break perfect for him. And again, I think this defense is going to suit him. I think that having a coach like uh, Ulbrich is going to suit him where you have that high intensity coach that just wants to make sure his puts his players in the best position to win. And I think that's going to be important for all the like top tier players that the Jets have, like Mosley and Quinnen also. Yeah, definitely. I think we're going to see – I think we're going to definitely see him um, continue to take take us, 
you know, take uh, an ascension up as one of the, the top safeties in the league. There's a lot of money out there right now at the safety position. We just saw Jamal Adams, self-proclaimed linebacker, um, make $17.5 million a year. So, you know, Buda Baker is sitting there at $14 million or fourteen and a half. Uh, Justin Simmons is, is sitting there getting ready to get paid. So Marcus May, he's, he's clearly a talented player, clearly looking to get paid. So I think that, you know, he's going to continue to ascend this year in this defense. And then you have LaMarcus Joyner, who spent la- uh, the last couple of seasons with the Raiders, uh, used primarily as a as a cornerback, as a slot corner with the Raiders. He did a lot of that in his college days. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner did, played some safety, played some nickel, uh, played some corner. Uh, but most of his time with the Rams was spent as a safety. Uh, the Raiders converted him more to a slot corner. He's put back here playing safety for the Jets. And, you know, when you hear these Jets coaches speak, you hear Ulbrich speak, say it often. He says that, you know, when you look at what the key to this Robert Solid defense is, it's having that that Jimmy Ward uh, you know, that was the role Jimmy Ward played where he would be this this free safety, but he'd come down in the box and be able to cover slot receivers or cover tight ends and be that kind of Swiss Army knife from the from the safety position. And that's how these Jets look at uh, LaMarcus. That's how the Jets look at LaMarcus Joyner. So had 63 tackles, uh, 66 tackles last year um, in five passes defensed, no interceptions, but you know, he doesn't he only has four career interceptions in 95 games, so doesn't make a ton of plays uh, on the ball and ter- doesn't make doesn't force a bunch of turnovers. But he's a, a very strong in the run game. He's a big hitter. Uh, he's aggressive. And so I, I love his style and how he compliments Marcus May. What are your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, you couldn't be more right. Um, I think the Raiders played him out of position last year. I don't think that is what he does nearly as well as playing that free safety and coming down into the box. And I think it's going to be the perfect fit because I think that's what the Jets envision Ashton Davis as. So now you have someone that could tootle Ashton Davis and then maybe next year or the year after Ashton Davis is ready to go to play that exactly same role in this defense. Yeah, I I definitely agree there. I mean, would be, Great to get Ashton Davis back on this team. He's somebody that I know you and I both have high expectations for. He's dealing with some injuries. Um, you know, for Ashton Davis, he played it played in a limited amount of games. He did mi- end up missing a lot of games last year. Uh, also dealt with injuries last year as well. So it's one of those things that we have to wonder, is, is that what Ashton Davis is going to be? But 34 tackles, one pass defense in 10 games. Uh, did start six of them for the Jets. Also had that sack on Cam Newton that was like called back for a roughing the passer penalty, which is complete bull. In, yeah, I'm not going to say the word, but you know what I want to say. But anyway, what are your thoughts on Ashton Davis and how he could fit into this defense if he makes it back on the field? Well, first things first, the best ability is availability, and this this kid's got to stay healthy. You know, kind of kind of snake bitten like Blake Cashman a little bit. You know, he'll probably play spe- a lot of special teams, like a lot of the young defensive backs that the Jets have. And like I said, I, I think he's going to get tootled by Joyner. Maybe they go to three safety sets where he could see some field time. But I think this year is just going to be like a tutelage year for Ashton Davis. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right, let's move to some of these other guys uh, across just some different positions, right? Because we haven't talked about the slot corner. We've got a competition going on there. Uh, we've got second-year player Javelin Gidry, who played a lot in the slot last year for for the Jets, uh, played well, played in 11 games, uh, started two, but had 22 tackles. Uh, he forced four fumbles, actually, which is – Pretty impressive when you consider that he only played. Yeah, he only he didn't really play all that much. But either way, you know he was. Uh, you know had okay moments for the Jets. You know we still, I think some of us, me included, still prefer Brian Poole. But he's in a competition with uh, Michael Carter the second. Um, you know Carter was a a hybrid safety corner for the University of Duke, and so. You know, he comes in here is a was a fifth round draft pick of the Jets, and has an expectation. Was not a fifth. See a fifth round draft pick? Yes, he was a fifth round draft pick. Sorry, brain's going crazy on me. I'm getting confused with the other Michael Carter. But anyway, he was a fifth round draft pick of the Jets, and so he's competing with Javelin Gidry. We saw Gidry get the start in the first preseason game. We saw Michael Carter the second get the start in the second preseason game. How do you think this? Um, this competition breaks out, Frank, and do you have a, a favorite here? My favorite's Michael Carter squared, as I like to call him. But um, I, I just didn't like, like, when you watched Gidry last year, I just didn't like his mechanics. Sometimes he'd get turned around too fast. He'd get beat on the head fake, especially, you know, the fake out and then coming back in. He was very susceptible to biting too hard on the out. And I just I just like Michael Carter. I like the speed. I like the toughness. And um, But in the end of the day, I think you're going to probably see both of them 50-50 on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think right. ultimately Michael Carter, the second, probably has the leg up in the competition, mainly because – Right. It's the coaching staff, the new coaching staff. You know, they they were involved in the selection of his draft pick. But this coaching staff also seems to be one. I mean, I think if I, you know, you, Pete Carroll doesn't if, if Salah is anything like Pete Carroll in terms of, you know, not not being afraid to play young guys or, you know, I don't think they care. I'm just saying I don't think they care about money or 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 draft status or any of that. The best person's going to play. And so. I I could see this going either way. Um, I think you probably do see a platoon here at the slot corner position because uh, they're kind of like pitch hitters. Uh, you know, you just kind of kind of rotate rotate them in and out. Which one when one's playing well? I'm not even a baseball guy, so I'm doing. I think I'm doing okay with this analogy, Frank. You know, <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, you know, I I I could see this one going either way. If I had a favorite here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really have a favorite. Uh, I guess I'll just, I'm just, I'm just gonna not pick the same name as you. So I'm just gonna go with, with Jav, Jav Gidry. Plus, I met a lady on a plane, and she, she went to, to Jav, Javelin Gidry's from TCU, and so she went to, is he from G? Oh, maybe he's from Texas. I don't know. Basically, a lady knew Javelin Gidry, so she was on she a plane. She said she knew Javelin Gidry. How does he have? Okay, I'm confused because this whole time I thought Javelin Gurji went to TCU. So 
you know, I'm really curious about that. But maybe anyway, lady lied to you. Maybe she did. But anyway, uh, Frank, yeah, I'm going to root for Javon Kidry. But anyway, let's move on to the cornerback position, right? We have some guys there that are vying for some playing time. Uh, Brandon Eccles, a, a six-round draft pick of the Jets this year um, from the University of Kentucky. We have Lamar Jackson, who not that Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, the cornerback. He is obviously – he started some games last year like we previously talked about. He's in line to get some competition. Someone who I have not heard from at all, period, since they were drafted, Jason Pinnock. <laughs> I haven't seen him, haven't heard him, nothing. But I guess we, he's, not, he's not really in the competition, but I guess he's there. Fifth-round pick of the Jets. He was the first corner that they drafted, so – that was curious to, you know, to not, it's curious, been curious to not see him at all or hear him. But um, Isaiah Dunn, undrafted free agent, you know, he's, uh, he's in the competition as well. He's in the mix here, got some playing time yesterday. Any of these guys do you, do you see challenging for, for more playing time or potentially even starting some games at some point? I can see Brandon Eccles vying for some playing time. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but just from what I saw, especially yesterday, how he tracks the ball, how he stays on that hip pocket of those wide receivers, it just looks like his fundamentals and his technique is very sound. And I think that's going to be very important to this coaching staff that if they put you in, you could do what you have to do and not get completely burned out there, kind of like we saw from – done yesterday yeah Eccles is a bit um Eccles is is interesting right because he doesn't fit the Seattle mold and it's interesting because you heard Sala talk about it the other day I was watching his press conference and he talked about how he had Richard Sherman in Seattle San Francisco he had Richard Sherman who was long 6'3 um you know could run but he also had Jason Verrett who was 5'9 you know, 185 pounds, but had super lightning quick agility and and feet. So, you know, both of those guys won different ways. And Sala always talks about, they ask him, what do you want from your your character? What characteristic do you most desire from your cornerback? And he said to win on third down. He doesn't care how you do it. He just wants you to win on third down. And so Brandon Eccles, I think he kind of reminds me of Jason Verrett a little bit. Not even I don't not saying as a player or anything, but just when you look at their body types, like how they're put together, the fact that they're they're strictly like you know guys like guys that are 5'10", 179, you you almost always want to put them in the slot, like you almost want to pigeonhole them as like oh you can only be a slot receiver or a slot cornerback, but these guys are like strictly outside cornerbacks, uh, and so I, that part of it is interesting. Brandon Brandon Eccles is also a guy with some major speed; he's very explosive. So you know I think that. There is a possibility here, like you said, that we see Eccles get some playing time. Um, I'm also curious to see what, if one of these other young guys comes, you know, comes into the fold. You know, we saw Lamar Jackson, um, you know, high point of ball yesterday. We saw, um, you know, Isaiah Dunn is, is obviously long and has flashed in camp. Uh, Jason Pinnock, who we haven't heard any of anything from, but he apparently flashed a little bit in mini camp. You know, so I, I'm expecting some of these guys to play games at some point throughout the year. So 
we'll definitely see. Um, did I miss any of these defensive backs, Frank? I don't think so. Yeah. So let's recap some of these. These these the Jets have played two preseason games. They've only got one left. You know, uh, Zach Wilson played two series in each of these games. You know, played three series in in the last game. Yeah, it was three series. He played three series in the last game, um, and four series in the last game. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, uh, but four series in the previous game, and um, you know looked good in in both games, right? You want to temper expectations because he's going up against the backups for both the Giants and the Packers. Um, you know he is obviously. You know, he's we have high expectations for him, but we are trying to take everything with a grain of salt because he is, uh, you know, he's a rookie and he's going against backups. But at the end of the day, you want to see how does it look, right? Does he look like he's swimming? Does he look like he's, you know, throwing to the open guy? Is he going through his progressions? And when I watch him, when I've been, when I, you know, the snaps I've seen from Zach Wilson, you can see he's going through his progressions. He's, hitting the check down if it's there. Like he, obviously the arm talent sticks out. There was a throw he made yesterday to Corey Davis on the run that like I could watch that th- I could watch that throw on repeat like a hundred times because he literally is rolling out his like like people say oh he can't like you know he like uh he can make throws without his feet being set. Like his feet were not even on the ground to be set. Like he's throwing this ball like both feet off the ground and it's just like Perfect motion. It just looked beautiful. And Corey Davis is just like, you know, bread basket. So, Frank, what are your thoughts on on uh, on Zach Wilson through two preseason games? Well, first, you better hope Coach Solid doesn't hear you talking about the other team's backups. Because he was not too happy with uh, one of the Jet Beat reporters that mentioned that yesterday. But like you said, you could just tell Zach Wilson with the flick of the wrist is throwing the ball on ropes. But what I thought was interesting yesterday during the telecast, Ian Eagle said the most important thing for a rookie quarterback is to have a command of the offense. And he said in his opinion that Zach Wilson has a hundred percent command of the offense already. And I don't know if he was being uh, facetious in what he was saying or expounding on how he felt, but for someone that's been covering football games as long as Ian Eagle has to say that about our rookie quarterback was good to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly not surprising to me because, you know, I I think I had said it a while ago and I had said the same thing about uh, Joe Burrow last year, which was like Zach Wilson knew he was going to be a jet for since like February or March, right? Like he had known this and the Jets had known this. And so, you know, they were, he was learning this playbook, you know, way back when, when they were having their zoom meetings and things like that. And so, you know, I think that that actually, that definitely has a factor here, but this guy, like he was making checks in the game yesterday, which was, that was, you know, really encouraging to see, that he was getting up to the line of scrimmage and changing the play 
or setting the protection and things like that. Like I thought that that was awesome to see there. Um, you know, again, for me, how quick he goes through his progressions, you know, that throw to Tyler Croft, the first one, the, the first touchdown to Tyler Croft yesterday, like you see him go from one, goes back across the other side. He's like, okay, I can put this, I can put this ball here or the third and two conversion to Corey Davis, where he's, he's got him on a crosser route, looks to the right, goes back to the left. And he's got Corey Davis running in the open field. Like, so he, the game is not too big for him. And I, I think that part of it is going to translate, uh, you know, maybe when he, you know, when he's out there against um, Carolina in week one and the bullets are flying and, and, you know, you've got Carolina starters out there, you know, they're going to play a little faster, but I think he's shown at this point that, you know, he's, there's, there's not, a, he's not, he's not one that's going to be like a deer in headlights. I think when the lights come on. No, definitely not. And I just like the moxie that he plays with, right? When he threw that first touchdown, you could see how excited and how happy he was. And not to knock Sam, but Sam kind of had a demeanor like Eli at times where he wanted to portray that, you know, this is something that he's going to do on a regular basis and not to get overly high or overly low. But it's good to see that excitement coming from Zach. Like, it, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it shows that he cares. Like, he really wants to put into the work to be the best that he can be. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely could see that because Sam wasn't really like a rah-rah guy. And he's even said that before, but Zach is. And I think, you know, for a team like the Jets, um, who you know, are not used to winning, um, you know, not for not consistently at least, right? Like, we, we need a rah-rah guy. It almost feels like as a fan base to kind of lift us up. You know, I think, you know, that's why I, I'll, part of the reason why I wanted Baker here so badly, just because like, you know, him, he would have been a guy that would have, you know, you know, good or bad, like you would have, he would have been, you know, trying to lift up everybody. And I think Zach Wilson brings some of that as well. You know, you could see him, you know, he made a throw against the Giants um, for a first down conversion. And you see him like, like, I don't even know what he said, but he like he was very intense and passionate the way he spoke to Morgan Moses right after that first down. So, like, you know, I, I, I'm I've been I've been happy to see that. You know, it's definitely something I'm excited about. He seems like he is a he's a good leader. I mean, even when you watch him out there, it seems like everybody gravitates towards him. So, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for what the future holds with Zach Wilson. Uh, also. Curious to see what the future holds with a guy like Denzel Mims, right? You know, we see this receiving core. Uh, Elijah Moore, you know, we didn't even talk about him and his injury, um, but he's dealing with the quad injury. So he's been held out of the last two preseason games and the last two weeks of practice. And so left to to see what this, this receiving core really looks like without him. And it doesn't look all that pretty. It pretty much just means Corey Davis becomes the man and gets fed. Uh you know, Jamison Crowder is in his role as the number two receiver. Keelan Cole seems to – he seemed to be that number three receiver last week, or the, the first outside receiver opposite Corey Davis last week, uh, did not get that same uh, luxury this week as he was replaced by the Smith brothers. They're not actually brothers, but I'm just going to call them that for the purpose of this this podcast. But anyway, the uh, – you know, Jeff Smith, Vincent Smith, both played ahead of him yesterday, and so – really seeing what this receiving core looks like 
Uh, Denzel Mims played special team, a lot of special teams. Your boy was in the house uh, with with his lovely wife watching the game. So I was boots were on the ground. We we're doing some work uh, as I was, you know, reporting. I don't want to consider myself a reporter, but I was tweeting it out. Denzel Mims played all four special teams units. He was on kickoff return, not as a return man, as a blocker. He was on uh, punt block. Uh, he was he was he was lined up on punt block as a rusher to rush a punt. Then he lined up as the uh, corner to block the gunner. He was also a gunner on one of the punts, and he ran down on the opening kickoff. So uh, that was met. Apparently, Denzel Mims asked to do those things. But what are your thoughts on this receiving uh, depth chart and kind of how it's breaking down as we head into camp? Head out of camp. I think it's right. We talked about it the last couple of podcasts. You know, especially last week, you know, are we afraid of Denzel Mims not getting run? I I think it's quite possible, being that they have all this depth, that Denzel Mims doesn't see a lot of snaps. Maybe maybe he sees 20%, 25% of the snaps. They're just, they're just loading. We talk about Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, and then Elijah Moore. We haven't even seen Elijah Moore yet, and – in the one game that Denzel Mims played, he didn't see offensive snaps until the second half. Yeah, that was it. Was definitely interesting to see Denzel Mims play that late into the game, but he played well. And, and you know, we I know we said it's against the twos and the threes, but if you are playing, and I always say this even with rookies, like if you're playing in the preseason game with the twos and the threes. Like you should look like, and you're really like you really should be a starter. You should look like the man. Like you should look like you like I should be able to watch the field, watch the game, and say, "Oh, that guy doesn't belong with the twos and the threes. And Denzel Mims did some of that stuff. You know, there was a uh, he had I think on three catches had over 50, 50 receiving yards. There was a play where it was like third and eighteen, and Denzel Mims catches the ball for like eight yards and goes and gets another ten dragging Giants defenders for a first down. You know, I think there, there was also another play where he got a first down. Denzel Mims is good with the ball in his hands. I mean, he, he, he ran he ran like crisp routes. I wouldn't say he like ran perfect routes, but, you know, they didn't ask him to do too much. I think he ran like an out. Uh, one catch was an out. The other catch was like, was like a, a, a slight in route or dig route. So I think that, you know, he, he again, physical with the ball in his hands, physical after the catch you know, kind of like Corey Davis and where I don't think that they're going to let the first guy tackle them after they catch the ball. Saw a lot of that from Corey Davis. Uh, You see a lot of that throughout his career, but definitely these two guys are similar to me. I've been saying that since we signed Corey Davis. And I think that Mims as the year, I think he makes this roster. I think he will make some impact on this team as a, as a receiver. Uh, You know, is it going to be as the, the fourth or fifth receiver? I'm not sure, but I think he's somewhere in that ballpark just from a talent perspective on this team. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, maybe next year or the year after that changes, but right now that's the way it is. You know, we talked about it. He came from that air raid offense from Baylor, so it might take him a little while to get his feet underneath him. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So let's let's move on to the, the backfield, right? Like, so the expectation was that, my guy, uh, you know, Michael Carter, the first, <laughs> or Michael Carter from North Carolina, 
that he would be the guy here in this backfield. But it hasn't seemed that way through two through two preseason games. So if you're playing fantasy, uh, you know, make sure you check your boy out, Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, shameless plug. But obviously, um, Ty Johnson seems to be the guy in this backfield. Tevin Coleman got the start yesterday. He, he missed the first preseason game for personal reasons, I believe it was, but is is there in the second preseason game. He got like the first he got the first series with the ones, but after that it was Ty Johnson, and Ty Johnson got a lot of the work in, in the first preseason game as well. So uh Michael Carter, he does come in with the twos, or he you know, he he, he gets some snaps with the ones, but you see most of his time with the twos, and then while Michael P. Ryan you see him with the twos, and he spends most of his time working with the twos and the threes. So what are your thoughts there about this backfield, uh, specifically the running backs and how, how it plays out? Well, here's going to be a hot take. If you are playing fantasy football, you better scoop up Ty Johnson because I think he's going to get the majority. I don't want to say majority of the carries, but I think he's going to lead the Jets in rushes this year. I remember I, I called you last night while we were watching a game. And I said, Ty Johnson is the best running back we have. Uh, I like what Coleman did. Michael Carter did well when he was put in the game. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan, I didn't really see too much of him yesterday. You saw a couple of carries, short yardage situations. But uh, our, our boy, Wesco, I was really impressed with yesterday. I had to re- I rewind the tape a couple times on those like those third and ones that the Jets converted, especially on the first and second drive, just to see. I wanted to look at his technique on those blocks because it could be difficult coming from the tight end spot, moving the fullback, because now you're, you got to dig out those linebackers that are scraping over the top. And he had his hands right where you wanted to see him. He caught a nice little flare route to, for like, I think it was like 18 yards to move the chains. It was just good to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to, you know, just back to the running back position, you know, briefly. You know, I totally agree. I've been saying it. Um, you know, I've, I've been <laughs> I said it to you. Like, I've been scooping up Ty Johnson in all of my drafts because he just totally makes sense as a late-round guy. I don't think he will lead the team in rushes, but I think in the first few weeks he will lead the team in rushes. He will be the guy. So that's just my thought there. But back to – our guy, Weapon X, <laughs> Trayvon Wesco. I mean, look, man, we 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 sounded crazy saying it, but you know we're visionaries here. Uh, Wesco does have experience doing this. He does. It's not, it's not his first time transitioning to fullback. Obviously, played fullback for these Adam Gase teams. He was a a Swiss Army knife back in the University of West Virginia. So, you know, definitely. Um, not surprised that Wesco can do this, but like to see that he's doing it well and definitely going to be provide a, a nice um, weapon here for for the Jets as a dual threat option. You know, whether he's lined up at fullback or he's lined up as a tight end traditionally, I think you have to you have to, you know, plan for that accordingly as an opposing defense. We, you know, Chris Herndon, he's he's uh He's obviously dealing with, uh, you know, he's in a competition here with Tyler Croft as well as Ryan Griffin 
for this number one tight end spot. He did start the game, but Tyler Tyler Croft got mixed, got in some playing time with the ones as well. Caught two touchdown passes, both from Zach Wilson. So definitely uh, intriguing competition here at the tight end spot. Seems like Daniel Brown might be the odd man out, was asked to play some fullback. I kind of gave you my my decision, my deductive reasoning there that if they're asking Dan, Daniel Brown to play fullback and if you see Daniel Brown, you know Daniel Brown, he doesn't look like or play like a fullback. If they're asking him to do that, they're asking him to, to try to, to find another way to make this roster, and I don't think that Daniel Brown's making this roster. So it seems like a three-man competition here between Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, Chris Herndon. Tyler Croft seems to have the lead, uh, has had some good practices, had two touchdowns with Zach Wilson. Chris Herndon's basically been non-existent. So what are your what are your thoughts there for the tight end position? I know you're not happy about Chris Herndon. I know you're expecting him to potentially not make this roster, but what do you have to say, Frank? Yeah, I, I my opinion, I don't think Chris Herndon's making the roster. I think he's going to get cut. I... I do think that it's going to be Croft's job to lose. It's hard to tell if what the Jets are going to do because they do like running those two tight end sets. And do you trust the other two guys or the other guy? Because Daniel Brown's probably not making the roster, as you said. As I was watching the game and me and you were on the phone, I was like, oh, look at that. Daniel Brown is at fullback. And we kind of talked about probably why he won't make the team like you so eloquently just laid out there. But yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be tough, you know. Like even in this new offense where the tight end is used as a premium, you still don't see any big plays from Herndon except getting a D-back's way so Croft could walk into the end zone. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point. Um Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I know we talked about the offensive line a little bit earlier and the lack of depth there, so we're not going to get too much into it other than that. Dan Feeney, while having a great mullet, not good at football. Yeah. Okay, moving on <laughs> to the defensive side of the ball. Um, the defensive line, obviously, we had high expectations. Carl Lawson's banged up, so we know that. Quinn Williams has not played. Um, let's talk about these young guys. Let's talk about these young guys. I mean, Nathan Shepard, I mean, not really young, but he's more of a depth guy. Um, Hamilcar Rashid, who, you know, flash has flashed to me over these last couple of weeks, Bryce Huff, uh, Foley Fadakasi. Uh, what are your expectations here for some of these other guys on the team? Well, you forgot Hamza Nazardine. I thought he's probably been one of the best well, linebackers. He's not on the defensive line. Oh, I, I thought we were just doing defense. I didn't <laughs> realize we were just doing D-line. No, it's hard to tell, right, because they don't, they don't have all their defense alignment. So, like, I was getting really frustrated yesterday because the Packers were gashing the Jets in the run game, and then I had to remind myself there's no Quinnen, there's no Rankins, there's no Curry. They just lost Lawson. JFM didn't play all that much, so I'm like, let's calm down here a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, definitely agree with that. Um, 
you know, moving on to the linebacker position, we saw oh, – we didn't even talk about Jared Davis. I mean, it seems like he's going to be okay, but Jared Davis did suffer an injury yesterday during the, the Packers preseason game, uh, the, the, the preseason game against the Packers. But we saw um, Hamza Nazardine play a little bit. We saw C.J. Mosley was in there for a lot of the game as well. Um, you know, I think Jamie and Sherwood is going to is going to continue to take a step up here. Uh, what are your, what were your thoughts about the linebacker position yesterday? Mixed bag. There were some good spots. Jared Davis had a nice play on a little wheel route that he was there to break up. Uh, I told you yesterday I thought maybe Mosley shouldn't have lost so much weight because it looked like he was getting caught by some of those tackles and he was having trouble shedding. But, again, the Jets don't have a full defensive line where Mosley could run free. So if those D tackles for the Jets are eating up blocks, which would be able mostly to use his speed to go sideline to sideline. And I thought Nazardine had a good game and I didn't really see Cashman out there with the ones all too much yesterday. Yeah, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to find the guy's name, but there was apparently there was a guy out there that got some playing time with the ones on the on the linebacker at the linebacker position at the weak side spot ahead of some of these other guys. So forgive me for not having that information. If I find it, I'll definitely um, you know bring his bring his name up. So y'all, um, Frank, what did you what are your expectations or what were your thoughts of the defensive back position through these first couple of days? of free agency or, or preseason, sorry. Another mixed bag. And that's to be expected with young cornerbacks. You know, they had some good plays and they had some bad plays, particularly Isaiah Dunn yesterday. You know, he would go out and have a good coverage where he's on his hip pocket. And then on other plays, he would, for whatever reason, he'd get lost off a head fake or a body fake. But I think, that's going to be what we're going to have to deal with this year, that they're going to, they're going to make plays where we think that these, they have the capability of being pro bowl cornerbacks and in other plays, it's going to look like they don't belong uh, in a starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely with the, definitely feel that with the corners, you're going to see some highs and some lows, but um one of the things I like I, I said it before, the way May has played, you know, I mean, he's been like yesterday. He was just a complete like savage in the box, just coming down. Uh, he took AJ Dillon out. <laughs> AJ Dillon's a, a very big, um, very big, b- very big boy at the running back position. Um, but I did find the name. Have no idea who this kid is. Um, Noah Dawkins. He is getting a lot of start, a lot of run with the starting Jets defense at weak side linebacker. This is according to Connor Hughes, who covers the New York Jets for the Athletics. So, what are your? Do you know anything about Noah Dawkins, Frank? The only thing I know is when I was listening to Salah's press conference this morning, he's from when he spoke after the game, he was very high on him and says 
that he does all the little things right that you want to see. Kind of like, kind of the same sentiment that when Salah talked about Ronnie Blair, kind of in that same vein. Not the same exact things, because obviously Salah loves Ronnie Blair and said that if you want to win the Super Bowl, you need as many Ronnie Blairs as you can get. Didn't go that far, but he was very complimentary of uh, Dawkins or how Salah calls him. He calls him Dawk. Frank, did you know that Noah Dawkins played in five games for the New York Jets in 2020? The New York Football Jets? Yes, the New York Football Jets. He played East. His first game was the Raiders game. Then he played Seattle, the Rams, the Browns, and then the Patriots in week 17. So he played from week 13 to 17. Primarily as a special teams player for the New York Jets in twenty in twenty twenty. I did not know that. Learn something new every day. That's <laughs> so why that we don't... keep you around, John. That's why we keep you around. <laughs> so I get paid the big bucks. So no <laughs> Noah Dawkins uh twenty nineteen played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty twenty played with the New York Jets. Uh, and so is getting some run here at weak side linebacker for this Jets defense. So, again, they don't care where you came from. They don't care about your draft status. They don't care how much money you make. Noah Dawkins getting some run ahead of guys like Hamza Najaldeen and Jamie and Sherwood. So, Frank, We've got a lot of we we basically ran up to the to the almost to the hour, man. We got to answer these mailbag questions, so let's get to it, man. Uh, our first question, because I was looking up what who Noah Dawkins was, I I uh, have to get back to the questions. Would you like me to take it over for you? Um, you know what? I think I got it. So the first question comes from New Jersey MMA. Insight, I think this was on Twitter. Why are we cursed? <laughs> and so, I'm before I pass this one to you, Frank. I'm just gonna say, I guess this was a reaction to the Carl Lawson injury. Um, people had it was a sad day for Jets fans. It wasn't was a- this came before the Carl Lawson injury. This came before the Carl Lawson injury. Oh, okay, then so. That being said, why are we cursed? So I guess I would answer this question like I don't believe in curses per se, right? I mean, you look at, you know, Frank, we spoke about this. You look at the the Boston Red Sox who supposedly had a curse. Uh, You look at the Cleveland Browns who supposedly have been cursed or the Buffalo Bills who've been cursed, right? Like both of those franchises have turned it around recently. The Boston Red Sox have gone on to win multiple – MB, MLB titles. Yeah, let's go with that one. <laughs> so I don't believe in that the Jets are cursed. I think they, they just have been incompetent, and I think there's a difference there. Uh, and if you breed it, if you, if you have incompetent people running your organization for 20 years, it's going to look pretty bad. And so 
I think now with the leadership that they have in place, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, two competent individuals, I, I think that you will see less of a curse for the New York Jets. And yes, I put those in air quotation marks if you're listening to us on podcasts. Yeah, so with uh, older Jet fans, there's the running theme that Joe Namath sold his soul to the devil so the Jets could win the Super Bowl. I don't know if you were aware of that, but there is a running theme of that. I was I was not aware of this, but um, yeah, man, whatever floats, you know, floats boats and finds lost remotes. Like you, I don't believe that the Jets are cursed. I don't believe in curses. I am a little bit superstitious, but that's where it stops. I like you. The Jets have been incompetent probably longer than 20 years. And if you talk about curses, 1998, they went to the AFC title game. They went to two with Rex. So we've had some success here. We had success with Herm, had success with Mangini. Just the last 10 years has been absolutely awful. And like you said, they brought in guys that are competent, that believe in the right things, that are working together to turn this page over. Absolutely, man. So there, there is that answer. Let's move on to this next one from Way underscore Blue Blue J, uh, Blue Way J, as I know him on Twitter. But anyway, what is going on with Denzel Mims? And we kind of answered that a little bit, but say it again. Denzel Mims is – he's not – I want to say fighting for his football life, but he's experiencing what it's like to be in, in the NFL where one day you can have – you know, you can be put on this pedestal as he was when he w- when he was drafted here to the next day they draft somebody in the same round at the same position as you and the fan base like immediately loves them and the coaching staff – you're not that coaching staff guy anymore. And so I think you kind of saw that mentality. If you watch one Jets drive, you know, his conversation with Keelan Cole, just kind of just worrying, like focusing on the things that he can control and just working his butt off and just being the best that he can be. Cause you know, he's got so much potential and, and everybody knows it. And, you know, he's going to be as good as, and as great as Denzel Mims wants to be. So, you know, I think that's a, you know, long way of saying, I think Denzel Mims ultimately will be fine. You know, you see some, you know, there's not a day in it. You couldn't tell me there was ever a day Stephen Hill would say, hey, I want to go play on all four special teams units. If Denzel Mims really did that, that shows real, like really good gusto by him. He knew that, hey, if I want to make this team, I got to do other things to help this team win. And then on top of that, go out and play the way he did against the, against the, the Giants, granted second and third stringers. But guess what happened? That next Tuesday at practice, guess who was getting more first team reps? Denzel Mims. And so he, he's going to be rewarded for his hard work and his determination. And I think that ultimately we'll see that. Yeah. Those little things don't go unnoticed going to the coaching staff, going to Boyer and telling him that he wants to play on special teams, right? That's, that's not going to go unnoticed, but he might, he might just be the odd man out because Keelan Cole, he got more experience. Corey Davis, like Zach Wilson said, Corey's going to do Corey things. He's probably the best receiver that the Jets have right now. And then you got Crowder and Elijah Moore. It's just it's just a crowded position group right now. 
Yeah, no, it definitely is crowded, and I think that's why Mims is trying to do more things, right, to make the active roster. Um, you know, he's because he's he's trying to find ways to to make sure. Hey, how do I how do I be a weekly active on this team? So I, you know, I, I do agree there are some things, but Denzel Mims has some things that he does well that I think can translate to having success. Whether it's hey, go go be our jump ball guy, or hey, Denzel Mims, go block this go block this corner for like you know, 25, 30 snaps a game, whatever it is, right? So, like, I think Denzel Mims can do some of those things where it's beneficial to have him on your football team. And so, way underscore Blue Jay has two questions for us. His, oh, no, sorry. This is, second question is not his. But what is the – this question comes from at Fantasy Turf on Twitter. What is the expected Michael Carter snap percentage? And so – if I'm really thinking about this, I think you see Michael Carter play maybe somewhere between 20 to 30% of the snaps out of the gate. And I think the expectation would be that as the season gets, as we get deeper into the season, injuries pop up, Michael Carter has more, you know, gets more experience that you see him enter that 50% range, but I don't think he'll ever be more than, more than 50%. I mean, you've got three backs in this backfield at least, like I don't think Michael Carter will be more than a fifty percent snap guy for all of 2020, 2021. Did you just predict he's going to get fifty percent of the snaps? I don't. I just said I don't think he will get to more than fifty percent of the snaps. What do you think he gets to? I mean, I think again, I'm 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 projecting that he ramps up as the year goes on. So the season total average will probably look smaller but i'm thinking that you know the season total average probably looks somewhere like 30 to 40 percent of the snaps but i think if there's going to be a stark difference where like if you average like the first eight games of the season he's probably in the 20s or 30 percent of the snaps like maybe in the low 20s but as you if you average the, like the last eight he's probably closer to 50 percent yeah i just don't agree with you there not with ty johnson and coleman in front of him I think you're looking at probably 30% to maybe 35% those last eight games. Hey, man, we've I've never been one to shy away from a friendly bet. So, you know, I, I will always, especially when it involves Michael Carter, I'll always be down to make a bet. But anyway, we have a – I told uh, you yesterday, we'll do the jerseys. We'll do the jerseys. Bet me a jersey. No, 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 no. no. Stop trying to spend my money, Frank. <laughs> but anyway, who will be – this one question comes from Adam Hulse Sports on Twitter. Who will be the Jets' top wide receiver this year? And so I think we've kind of answered this before, but I think the number one receiver in terms of, like, targets will be Corey Davis. I think he will be the weekly target getter. But I think you see more big plays, more yards, potentially more touchdowns out of possibly Elijah Moore, right? So I, I think, again, I, it's it's tough because like, we talked about the range of outcomes with Elijah. But when you talk about if you are projecting Elijah to be like the top end of the range of outcomes, then Corey Davis, I think, would – Hit would take a hit on some of on being the tar- the yardage leader and potentially even touchdown leader there. So again, like I say, I think he leads the team in targets, um, and so that would put him 
as the number one receiver that way. Yeah, when you're looking at the Jets wide receiver core, I think the Jets are or Corey Davis is probably lead the team in targets, maybe receptions, and probably touchdowns just because he's going to be that red zone threat. But like you said, in my opinion, Elijah Moore is going to have the most yards out of all the Jets wide receivers. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely, brother. Well, um, our last question here comes from Robert Nader. Um, Not sure where this question came from, but do you think Becton will turn out to be a bust? And obviously he's talking about Makai Becton here. Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, People are obviously, I think this question probably comes stems from the fact that Makai Becton struggled early in camp with Carl Lawson, but I was listening to Connor Rogers recently. And one of the things that Connor had mentioned, which no one is talking about is that the fact that Makai, Carl Lawson is just a, a, like from a matchup standpoint, like he's not, he's a, he's the perfect matchup for Makai Becton. Like he's going to win that advantage. He's going to have the advantage in that matchup. It's almost like how when we had Revis shout out best corner alive, but when we had Revis in, you know, we put him on Randy Moss, like he could play on Randy Moss, but it was much more advantageous to put Cromartie on Randy Moss because they were very similar body types. They were very like, uh, they could, they both had speed. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit more difficult matchup for Randy Moss who could, who could use his size to take, try to take advantage of, of uh, Revis a little bit. So I think about it that way. I think Becton ultimately will be fine. I know there was a re- another report which he was heavier than he had been at the combine. You know, people had said he lost weight, which I don't really know which way to believe. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, Preston Smith also gave him some trouble a little bit. Um, so, you know, that's interesting. I won't be able to make a judgment for myself until I see Becton play a full, a full game week one. He's going to get Brian Burns. So, That'll be interesting to see. Brian Burns is a, is a darn good pass rusher. So I'm, I'm going to go with no, but, again, I, I'm excited to see what Becton does this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to go with no, too. And got to see how the offensive line looks as a whole. I want, I'm excited to see him play next to Vera Tucker because if Vera Tucker does what he's supposed to, that could obviously take alleviate some pressure off of Becton. But like you said – yeah, Lawson with that ridiculous strength and crazy speed was always going to be a mismatch for Becton or a mismatch for any tackle in particular. Yeah, definitely there, man. And so I actually have to uh I have to I have to I just came to the realization that I actually have uh, a mailbag question that came directly to my personal DMs from again Blue Jay Way, uh, at Way underscore Blue Jay on Twitter. He asked, who will be the Jets' starting strong safety for the Jets, and will will it be Davis or Joyner, assuming he means Ashton Davis, or will they both play on passing downs? We kind of answered that earlier as well during the defensive back segment, but Marcus May seems to be the strong safety for the Jets. Well, Marcus Joyner seems to be the free safety for the Jets. Ashton Davis will have presumably will have some sort of role in, I think, you know, I said it before when they signed 
Lamarcus Joyner, that three safety looks have got to be the way to go here for this Jets defense because you're just way too talented there and not talented enough at corner. So I think that you would see them both play on these on passing downs. But that's just, again, me guessing here when, without actually not knowing what Robert Sala and company t- intend to do. Yeah, I'm right on board with you there, John. Yeah. All right, let's – sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, we're good. I was saying let's wrap this up. We're, we're 10 minutes over. We try to keep episodes under an hour for everybody's well-being. But, hey, maybe just – Take the take the long way to work this time, you know. Just you know, go take some take some detours so you can eat up this last eleven minutes here. But Frank, this was always fun, as it always is. Everyone, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you are following Frank on Twitter at Frankie Bots with the Z. If you're watching on on YouTube, then you would know that. But you can follow me on Twitter at Jr Football Nerd. You can also follow me on Instagram there as well. If you want to go follow Frank on Instagram, he's at FrankieG53. Also, make sure you're following the show at Liftoff underscore NYJ on Twitter. And at now we have Liftoff on Instagram. And should have led with this, but your 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 this is your basically your reward for staying the entirety of the show. If you want to win a signed Wayne Corbett best slot receiver to ever be a slot receiver. Don't the Godfather. Me. Godfather of all slot, slot wide receivers. You want to win a Wayne Corbett signed mini helmet. You just got to do like four things. It's really like five, but you only like two of them are hand in hand, right? First one, you got to go follow us on Twitter at liftoff underscore NYJ. Then you gotta read then you gotta follow me on Twitter at JR Football Nerd. Then you gotta go follow Frank at Frankie Bots with a Z. Then you gotta retweet the pin tweet on the now we have liftoff Twitter account. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, take a screenshot of that, leave it under the pin tweet, and you're entered into it for a chance to win this signed mini helmet simple doesn't cost you anything and you should already be subscribed to the show and following us anyway. So if anything, we're just asking you to do something that you're already doing. So everyone, if you want to win that, make sure you check it out. But other than that, uh, if you see this lovely stream yard overlay that we have the new uh, boxes that we're in, you know, Frank's got his own box over here. I've got my own box over here. It's because we're on StreamYard now. And the only way that that was made possible was with the Pigskin Network. So this show going forward will be brought to you by the Pigskin Pigskin Network of Amaze Media. So we're definitely happy to do that. We're glad to be, um, you know, that they were able to bring us on and sponsor our podcast so that we can continue making phenomenal content. So everyone, with that said, we appreciate y'all. We appreciate the love and support. You know, could not have done this without you, any of it. And again, we're only in episode 13, episode 14, rather. Can't wait to see what we got cooking for the rest of the season because once we get to regular season, we'll be one show a week. So, oh, man, it's going to be lovely talking Jets. All gas, no break, brother. 
All gas, no break, man. Definitely hitting that gas in the September. But everyone, we appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. And we are out of here. Much love. Peace. Thank you.